Hey, welcome once again, guys, to another episode of Before the Z-Wing Podcast, episode 19, almost 20. Doing the math there, Travis. Travis Heiner joins me. I'm Stefan Arnold. Travis, how are you doing today, sir? Okay, Sabokin. I am very well. I'm, well, Sabokin's doing great, too, and Travis is doing really well. Yes. You're almost like Anakin and Darth Vader. Hey, now, wait a minute. If, if, one, <laughs> if one was kind of a dork and the other guy was a creative artist, then that would be you and Sabokin. <laughs> So who between Vader and Anakin is the creative artist and the other one's the door? Well, I'm just saying you're you're two <laughs> sides of a coin, Travis. Oh, you're a complicated nice. fella. Yes. Funny you say that. I have an album called Three Sides of the Same Coin. Ooh, Segway, Sabokin.com for that musical interlude. Yes. That's actually available on Apple Music yep. and all those guys. It's it's officially released. Yeah, yeah Sabokin. S-U-B-O-K-E-N. S-U-B-O-K-E-N. For those, of, for those listeners who haven't heard Travis before we get into Revenge of the Sith preview. Review, I mean, <laughs> preview. We're a little late for that. Before we get into the Revenge of the Sith, Travis, describe your music a little bit for those who haven't heard about it yet. Well, I think it's best to describe my music through my influences. And my influences come from like San Francisco hip hop and electronica, uh, Brit pop influences and prog rock. So if you were to put those all to a blender, you kind of get this prog electronica with hip hop tendencies, turntables and that kind of thing. And I, I keep it pretty separate. So I bounce between genres depending on what part of the album you're listening to. So it's got a lot of variety. I like to think of my albums as their own unique radio shows. And there's variety within the listening experience. That's interesting. I tend to think of an album as one cohesive theme, but uh, that's not the way you... For the most part. The, my last album I just released, it's called The Machines That Howl, Growl, Whale. It has more of a consistent theme to the whole thing. It's, it's like a concept uh-huh. album. All right, guys, let's get into it. Episode 19. If you're uh, a fan of going in order and you haven't yet, you can certainly check out episode 16, which is all about ticket line and cosplay for the first Star Wars movie, quote unquote. The first episode. Which, the first episode, Phantom Menace. And then we also had... Episode 17, which we reviewed Phantom Menace. Episode 18, which we reviewed Attack of the Clones, which, spoiler alert, was not our favorite. So, Travis, thankfully, we've improved a little bit. We? A smidge, (laughs) a smooch, a little tiny bit to episode 19. Here we go. Revenge of the Sith. Travis, as we always do, start us out. As a standalone sci-fi movie, if you didn't have any other references, would you have liked it as a standalone? Hmm. Well, it's interesting to watch. Um, There's a thread of fatalist tension that kind of carries the movie right up to the big moment of Order 66. So I definitely think as far as a cinematic thing, that's kind of cool. But then the movie nosedives into a mad dash to link it to... The, its follow-up movie, A New Hope, which is very unfortunate. So, upon rewatching, Revenge of the Sith is more of a long trailer for a spectacular Star Wars movie that we never really get. It feels very incomplete. So, eh. It's an eh. I, get, I give it an eh as far as a movie. Eh, just a movie gotcha. on its own. Yeah, I, I kind of, kind of agree. Uh, 
you know, there of course there's so much going on. You don't really know uh, what's going on if if you just came in, but uh, you still get the tension there between Obi Wan and, and Anakin, and there's a you know there's some good good I guess fight scenes and things like that. So maybe maybe it would be a, a wonderful standalone. I'm not sure that people go out of their way to to see it if they're not doing a Star Wars marathon. I will say it's a definite improvement from the two movies before. Yes, I would definitely say so as well, and uh, that'll be reflected in my ranking. But there are people out there that really, really like this movie, though. Oh, yeah, and I understand where they're coming from. If you can kind of let go of being overly analytical, then I think you got an entertaining movie on your hands. But as we'll find out through the rest of our review... You know, I, I tend to, to deep dive on my thinking of these things, and there's some things that just kind of... Wait, wait, you tend to deep dive? This, <laughs> this is this no, is sorry. <laughs> I, I'm springing it on you now because I wanted to make sure we got to a level of comfort with all our previous episodes before I started to uh, take the shackles off. <laughs> oh my gosh, there, there are shackles to be taken <laughs> off? <laughs> anyway, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we don't want to gloss over it and, and give you an eight-minute episode here, guys. We are going to go deep as we generally do and as travis does so well free diving into uh into star wars right that's what they call it free, free diving, diving. Right? you know i was thinking of the movie that was from and i can't remember the name of it now because the first thing that came on was free jack with mick jagger and Emilio estevez but there's another movie where they were no, there oh terminal velocity Classic. that's what it was they were there free skydiving and they had to reach terminal velocity before they pulled their shoots it's like a thrill thing I can't remember the specifics. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking free diving in like the ocean where they they don't have any tanks and they just go down as far as oh, they yeah, possibly yeah. can. There was a French movie called The Big Is Blue that, that was that was they did that right and they go down and hold their breath for a long time. I can't remember. It also conjures up the abyss. Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy how far those guys go, man. I don't know if that's what the right thing it is. Uh, feel free to uh, razz me on social <laughs> media uh, if you want to. Uh, but yeah, it's they go down like way far, super dangerous, but. Um, Crazy, uh, crazy guys doing that. But that's what we're going to do uh, on most of our podcasts uh, because I have no choice. Travis edit, edits me, so. Uh, wow. What do we just evaluate uh, responsibility? But, yeah. All right. All right, Travis. Let's start. Fir- I get the question first. I have, get a question first. You get a yes. question first? Ready? Okay. Stefan. I'm ready. Do you feel this movie was a net game for Star Wars? Oh, yes. That's that's where we had to go next. I was going to skip right over that. Oh, well, the, the nice thing is we get the certain somebody called Luke and Leia in this um, movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough because these movies, it, they are what they are, guys. They are the quote-unquote sorry guys redheaded stepchildren of the saga so they are there there's some some of the versions have to be lower so these are lower and i don't know we had we had to get to the point where we got to the new hope right and you'll talk about that more but uh, i mean i don't know my position is almost the same it is what it is it is what it is if the prequels are important to you go ahead then this movie carries the connecting tissue that you're looking for it contains all the cool pre-Empire design stuff, which is totally cool. Uh, the, the ships, the costumes. Um, I like the look of the, the clone troopers. Uh, I guess it's their uh, version 2 helmets, version 2 uh, armor. Um, and it has Order 66, one of the most inspired concepts to come out of any Star Wars film, in my opinion. Yep. 
but it also fails to answer many of the old trilogy references made regarding um, this time period. I think we'd mentioned that in one of our previous episodes about how there were some certain questions that these prequels didn't deliver on. And unfortunately, it adds new continuity puzzles into the saga, which I don't think you'd ever want to have unless you had a solution or a, another project to answer those new puzzles. So I'm torn on whether this isn't... Oh, that sounds like yeah. another episode. We need to write these down. Let me write that down, scribble, <laughs> scribble. Uh, new uh, plot holes yeah. <laughs> developed by R-O-T-S. So I'm torn whether this yes. is a, a net gain or not, you know? The things it does well are great additions to Star Wars, but <sighs> because of the things it lacks, the things it flounders on, it does nothing to elevate Star Wars. I'll say that. It's a wash. It's a total wash. Right. Sounds good. But given the time of when mm-hmm. this is being recorded is after the Clone Wars season ended, season seven. And now that it's concluded, yes. I will say that if Revenge of the Sith was intercut with Clone Wars, that would be a very fascinating look at the events that preceded the lead up to the Empire and then where we get to with anyone. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that in our Clone Wars review, which is maybe not this next episode because its next episode is going to feature our news team of uh, Chuck Two Moons and Thrust Richter, and they are going to talk about all the latest news, including Mandalorian news and uh, a new movie that I think we have. I heard, yes, I've heard Um, these rumblings, yes. So I have to do more than... uh, know that basic fact and we're gonna (laughs) prep our news team and uh chuck and uh, thrust are gonna fill it out next time and then after that we are going to talk about clone wars review for the the final season seven and then travis you can talk about how it would be perfect to mix with revenge of the sith but talking about the (laughs) sithinator let's talk about Let's talk dry. about we ha- we have to do it. We got to start yeah. somewhere. Let's talk about some of our dislikes. Okay. Travis. Wash our hands of this. Start All right. us off. My first one. <laughs> the um, I'm sorry, guys. The actors don't seem to be reacting <laughs> to each other at all. The dialogue comes off very wooden. Um, you know what? You know what? This movie. I I know it was kind of like this in Attack of the Clones, and I, I gave it somewhat of a pass. I don't. I don't know if it deserved it, but this time around, though, it's inexcusable. This one feels like I'm watching a live theater production of Star Wars that was filmed without anything in the background. And then they hired an effects team to come in and paint a digital world around the actors. And possibly the actors weren't even acting in the same room with one another. They were just acting to cardboard cutouts of each other. Very little nuance to anybody's performances, except this time Ian McDermott turns it around. He plays Palpatine. A little bit theatrical, but man, I, oh, dude, he, he like embodies Palpatine in this movie. I love his. Got to save that for your I legs, will. Yeah, buddy. you're right. I should. <laughs> well, the reason why I bring up Palpatine is because, as a dislike, is because as soon as he becomes the Emperor, then it's a dumpster fire. I, I could not stand the portrayal of the Emperor in this one. It was, it was too, you know, wrangling your hands, too maniacal. I just—it seemed all the nuance had kind of just gone out the out the out the door, and that kind of bummed me out. Hayden Christensen. Here's the thing: I think this movie highlights about Hayden Christensen's performance. Again, I think he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's given—he's not given very much to work with, and he's definitely not given guidance on how to work with the material. He doesn't have a very powerful voice. He doesn't have powerful vocals. He seems to fight hard to make his voice sound authoritative. 
And there's several moments in the movie where he kind of has to play that that emotion. And his voice comes off weak, so it sounds like he's actually pushing even harder. And I think that's what's adding to this perception that he's giving off a bad performance. He's got a voice that's great for close-ups. He's got a voice that's great for emoting angst and love and that kind of stuff. Uh, barring the very first interaction between him and Padme on the balcony, which was just vomit-inducing. But the stuff where he has a nightmare and she comes and talks with him, that felt much more sincere. And that's again, that's, that's up close, it's intimate. Hayden Christensen plays that very well. Yeah. But the second he gets into anger mode, his voice falls flat. And I, I think it's just because his vocal cords can't project. You know, there's a way to... <clears throat> let me give it a try here. There's a way to get your voice to sound like you're angry and get into that moment. But I think for Hayden Christensen, it just gets thinner and thinner the more he amps up the power. And I think that's where his performance... I think there might be two things there. Like, one, he has to get authoritative, but he's very young. He's very young in this movie. Um, You know, I don't know how old he was in the movie. The level of seriousness, like, literally galaxy-level seriousness (laughs) of all these things, and he's trying to... It, like rise to that occasion and then also he has to be Anakin on the way to Darth Vader so there's that issue so instead of authoritative it, it comes across a little whiny or a little spoiled yeah, I guess I can see that. and part of that's good but I can see where, why you'd want to like like you're saying he doesn't pull off the full effect of being authoritative when he goes to those transitions and he speaks to those moments like you just described in the story we don't get the the, the breadcrumbs about why he's acting this way you know he says to obi-wan when obi-wan gives him um that assignment well i'm just you know I'm so, or no when obi-wan's saying goodbye to him when he's about to go to Utapau to, to confront grievous and they have that goodbye moment before obi-wan walks down that weird long catwalk to the top of the Star Destroyer like what <laughs> okay <laughs> that's practical when before Yoda and Chewbacca or, or uh, Tar 4 is getting up underneath I don't know whatever just just okay let's just let it go he says something you know I'm, I'm sorry I haven't you know uh, I can't I haven't impressed you or I, I ha- you know you're disappointed in me I'm sorry about that but I'm just so frustrated with the Jedi Council okay well and I've said this throughout all of these prequels show me don't tell me Show me why he's frustrated with well, the Well, they didn't make him a master of that. That's pretty frustrating. That alone is not enough to that convince me that, that he should have turned to Darth Vader. And that's why I think his turn happens so fast. It's still like, wait, what? What? Just that one thing that makes him a pouty brat. Like, wow, you didn't get to be master, but you're sitting on the council. So that's enough to make you turn on everybody and kill the kids and stuff like no. Well, what else was that? What else was it in that in this movie? Re- Revenge of the Sith. There was not becoming a master. Um the first time ever someone has sat on the council without being a master. Uh, they sent Obi-Wan to kill Grievous instead of right. Anakin. I'm trying to think of what are the other ones. There were smaller ones before, smaller instances before that. The other thing for him was he was um, hiding his relationship with Padme. Yeah. And you could you could extrapolate that that's also what made him upset because he should he may have felt he shouldn't have to hide his relationship with her, especially if he's about to become a father. But again, those things weren't shown. They're either things that they expect yeah. the audience to just assume, plug and play, or they just tell us. And, I hear you. Yeah. And the other thing about this movie is, is and I just clumped this into the performances of the actors. That's why this gripe is going on longer than usual. But there seems to be weird holes in the dialogue, right? These weird holes in the dialogue point to some heavy, heavy editing. Like a lot of stuff was cut out. 
because the dialogue that we hear, it seems like it's starting off as if we just missed something very important being said prior to that. And one of the examples I give is there's a moment where Anakin is in the Chancellor's office, and this is when the Chancellor requests him to sit on the Jedi Council for him. You know, I need your help, son. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it there's this awkward thing where they're just kind of walking and it's they're silent with each other, but their faces seem to be reacting to something that had just been said. And then Palpatine at, makes this request, like, I need your help, son. And then Anakin's responses are so out of sync. It was one reason why I think they're kind of acting against each other because he says, what I don't understand. And he doesn't give Palpatine a chance to say anything. It would be better if he just not said anything. Just wait for Palpatine to, to make a statement. And I think in the deleted scenes, yeah. there actually shows you there's, there is dialogue between the two of them going into that conversation. And I can't remember what that comp- that dialogue is, but it's an unfinished special effect. I saw it on YouTube. I was like, wow, why didn't they just keep that in there? The movie was already long. Just bite the bullet, make it a three-hour film, because there's these other pieces that were cut out that would have helped. It wouldn't have saved it, but it would have helped. It would have helped stitch these pieces together a lot better. Yeah, I mean, the dialogue was a problem through the whole prequel and didn't improve uh, much here. As we said, all these actors really have done very good work mm-hmm. outside of the prequels yeah. and for a lot of reasons they 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 may have struggled a little bit more than than we would have liked to see as uh, as fans uh in the in the uh well i think you and mcgregor had even said it was really hard for him initially because he was basically acting against green screen so he had no way to become immersed in the environment and there's some actors out there that said well that's all a part about acting you know you play the part and you have to use your imagination to fill in those gaps but some they, maybe they just can't I mean if you're working on a Star Wars film you kind of want to be in Star Wars right you kind of want to be on the set you want to wear the costumes you want to see the people you're acting against you want to see giant people with rubber masks walking around so you can just lose yourself in that that galaxy and if that stuff's all missing and you're having to conjure up from just a bunch of pictures you're shown and saying okay this character's gonna be standing roughly over here and make sure your eyes hit this mark over here and you're gonna be talking to somebody that will edit them in later that's just that's just bizarre I, I don't fault any of the actors for coming across the way they yeah, are. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult to do that. I I know that's more and more a reality now, but it's as you said, it's you you want something to react to and and look at and I mean you can see in in all these movies and it happens a lot in uh not just Star Wars, but every movie where you know it's a digital character, mm-hmm. the our hero or our person or whatever is looking at the digital character and they're not quite looking at the right. eyes just slightly off all right i've got i've got two um they're kind of back to back so i'll i'll do it and then um i don't know exactly how they work into you but anakin and padme are gonna have a baby and they obviously want to do this peacefully mm-hmm Anakin was still mostly good, probably, at the very beginning of the movie. He was a hero. Why didn't they just leave? Yeah. You know what? Like, hey, I know I'm a Jedi. I know I'm super helpful. And I know you guys kind of need me, but I got a family. Padme's pregnant. Oh, yeah, I'm going out with Padme, (laughs) by the way. Um, Padme's pregnant. I've served my time. I've fought in battles. You know what? Peace out. I mean, you can begrudge that if you're a military commander like yo we need you but can you begrudge that that he wants to go start and and protect his family at the same time 
that it was really not brought up by either of them. I don't know, like, hey, why don't we just get out of here? There's war. We don't know what's going on. You can't go off to battle because that's obviously dangerous. Well, I mean, wartime, a lot of parents know. have to leave their kids to, for the, the greater good. That I get. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, Padme even says that. Well, let's just leave well, it all yeah, behind. But he, had just... already did, he had already served, you know, quite a bit. I don't know the exact timeline. Right. Well, that just quite speaks to, to how unclear it is that the Jedi's... I mean, what is their commitment to the Republic? Is it a lifetime re- commitment as a Jedi? Is it something that they can elect to stay? I mean, the politics of the Jedi Council are very vague through all these movies. Can you just step out of role and then go do something else for a while? Can you come back in? I mean, we've talked about this before with the Owen-Anakin dilemma. So, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. All right. Let me do the second one and we'll kick it back to you because they're kind of related. Okay. On the complete opposite hand, even after his nightmares about Padme... Why doesn't Anakin realize that the freedom and prosperity of billions of people is too important to risk for turning to the dark side to to save her? It's an awful choice. It's an awful choice. Hey, I get to maybe save the love of my life or I can not turn to the dark side, kill this Sith Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, win the war, restore order and democracy put on point to the Republic. Yeah, his Palpatine's play to convince Anakin to learn from him is sudden and thin. I totally agree. What did you say? It was what? It's sudden and it's thin. It's it's sudden mm-hmm. as in, hey, I know you're having these nightmares about Padme dying. If we work together, I can teach you how to save her, potentially. And it kind of comes yeah. out of left field. Like, there was no breadcrumbs to lead us to to any kind of mentorship that Palpatine had with Anakin prior to what's going on. It's, you kind of almost have to ask, why are these friends? I mean, we know why we know why Palpatine's yeah, interested in him. Yeah. We know what his angle is, but we don't understand what Anakin's angle is. I mean, what is Anakin getting out of his relationship with Palpatine? We never got to see that relationship yeah. fostered. We're just supposed to accept yeah, that no, it exists. Yeah, no mentorship, no, like, before that, like... Um, I don't know. Palpatine could have like brought back a frog or something. I don't know what. Like, hey, look what I can do with uh, the. We see we see young young Anakin's um, room in the Jedi Temple when he's growing up, and Palpatine keeps delivering him stuffed animals. (laughs) Hey, kid, I know you're cold. Here, here's some animals to warm yourself up with. Creeper. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. So those are my two main dislikes. As I was thinking about it, so why didn't they just take off? Or why didn't Anakin make that awful right. choice, which um, people have had to make before and since? Um, well, he did go to his office to arrest you know. him. He did tell the Jedi Council that Palpatine is the Sith Lord we've been hunting. We need to arrest him. And then he tried to walk that line between we need to arrest him. I need to. I need him. As in, I mean, I, I fathom when he said that line. No, I need him before he chopped off Mace Windu's arm. Is it? Palpatine, or Anakin was going to visit Palpatine in jail and say, hey, teach me and I'll, I'll try to see if they can be lenient on you. You know, I don't know. Who knows how that was going to go through. Yeah. It wasn't going to work yeah, well. It I wasn't, yeah. I have a, I have three <laughs> semi-small ones. I'll, I'll kind of breeze through them here so we're not bogged down by grievances. Speaking of grievances, Sounds Grievous. Good. Grievous <laughs> is such a cool design. <laughs> yeah, boom. sorry. Grievous is such a cool design. But the character's completely wasted on this bloated story, and he is just the definition of ham-handed villainy. 
You know, I wish they would have just stuck with the, yeah. the version that they had in the Clone Wars miniseries, the first cartoon, because that version of Grievous was aggressive and cunning and a menace um, and a real combat threat. I mean, the Grievous we get in this movie, we're almost scratching our heads like, why is this guy important? Why do we keep hunting this guy down? He's just some robot general and he coughs a lot. What's going on? I mean, everybody's got this big deal for Grievous. We've got to get Grievous. We've got to defeat Grievous. We just killed Dooku, but we still got to get Grievous. Why is Grievous so powerful? Again, show us, don't tell us. They keep telling us that Grievous is important. Isn't we, he next in command after Dooku? But we I don't know. know that in the movie. We don't. Yeah. They just say, oh, there's General Grievous' ship. Okay, well, you know, lots of armies have several generals, right? So why is this one particular general the general yeah. they're going after? Why is taking him down? You know, they tell us that when Mace Windu confronts Palpatine, when Palpatine's rescued. I mean, in the opening, opening crawl, they say that he captured Palpatine, which leads to the opening scene. Right. And he's such a great design. Why couldn't we see more of him? And why couldn't we see him fighting yeah. against other jets? Like, he's... oh. Again, oh God, it just always boils down to show, don't tell. I sound like a broken record. He shows us that he's got all these lightsabers he's collected, but that he, what he's really doing, he's just telling us that he's vanquished them. He's telling us he killed those Jedi. Yeah. That's the wrong show, and it's really just reinforcing the tell. It's not showing us him fighting Jedi. Now, there was a deleted scene where he takes out Shock T. But even in the deleted scene, it wasn't like it was a battle. She's just on her knees, and he's just, he's held her at... at uh, saber point and Anakin and Obi-Wan run up and she's like I'm sorry I couldn't defeat him like well can we see that can we see you not defeat him can we see the, the saber battle so we can see why Grievous is supposed to be this this powerful badass no of course not dumb okay another one I have yeah Palpatine's arrest in his confrontation the whole unlimited power that thing oh my god <laughs> why I uh, like I like how he wipes out three Jedis in about 12 seconds. Okay, right, right, right. So, get this. I shouldn't have done this, but I did. When Revenge of the Sith was about to come out, I kind of had anxiety about it. Like, man, this is just... The the last movie was worse than the first one, and this might be even worse than that. And I couldn't stand waiting anymore. So I just read the book. The novelization came out. And I read the book, and the book was like, oh, okay, so this is not that bad. It's okay. And in the book, it describes that scene in a way that makes a lot of sense. And so when I saw that unfold on the movie screen, I was like, this is missing so much. What, what What's going on here? As it's described in the book, and you can hear it in the movie, mm-hmm. when Palpatine does this, you know, hurricane spin through the air at the Jedi, there's a sound effect you hear. It sounds like a, like a weird, breathy, growl, yell, monster sound, something like that. It's referred to as a type of Sith move or a Sith power, where they use this sort of primal roar to to mentally destabilize their opponents and so the jedi because that that sound had hit them they they didn't understand what was happening it confused them and so that was how he was able to gain the upper hand and take the first three out so fast but mace because mace had had actually practiced some dark side disciplines he was able to not let it affect him and that's how he was able to hold his own against palpatine for as long as he did so without that knowledge it just looks like this old man spinning through the air and just taking out these three Jedi who couldn't know how to defend themselves. It just comes off comical. Yeah. Uh, so my other one, <laughs> my last gripe for the night. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. After a very exhaustive Kenobi versus Anakin fight, which was 
what, 50 minutes too long. I mean, it's, it felt like 20 minutes long. I'm sure it was only like... It's a lot it of was, lava. It was just a lot of nonsense. It was a lot of moving... I mean, if you're trying to show me these two are, are matched in combat and skill, I get it, but you really don't have to milk it on for as long as it... I mean, you could have cut half that fight out and probably actually had more emotional impact because it got to the point where it was just absurd. And you're just, can someone please just finish this? Oh, well. After that <laughs> fight, the rest of the movie feels super rushed. It's like a sprint to create these connections to the old trilogy. And that those those moments in that last 15 minutes of the movie or so that shit should have been incorporated in the entire movie so that those were the stakes all along you know more importance on padme being pregnant more confusion about whose child it is and how anakin's trying to figure out if he's going to go and and raise his family or if he's going to just let the force guide the fates and and be the the winning general for the, the the end of the clone wars i don't know yeah and Here's this other thing. Where yeah, no, it was it was super where rushed. is this yeah. Anakin's offspring would be a threat to Palpatine? Where is that plot point? And I know we exhaustively talked about that before, but this is that moment that should have solved that. It should have answered that plot point from Return of the Jedi. Not there. It wasn't there. And it just it bums me out. That's one of those things where I said it kind of opens up new continuity puzzles between what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and just, we talked about this briefly before, but it was also uh Obi-Wan just sees Anakin burning and like, like, peace out. We'll see you later, buddy. Hey, you got no legs. You're on fire. Weird, right? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take off. So that detail, Uh, that detail of how Vader became Vader has always been like, that was way back, way, way, way back. I mean, there was books that were written back in the late seventies and early eighties that had kind of had spoken about the last confrontation between Owen Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker is that they were on a lava planet or a volcanic planet. And Obi-Wan had messed him up so bad that it forced Anakin to have to go into the suit. Yeah. That was always the part. But why would, why would Obi-Wan leave him there? Exactly. Either get yeah. get him medical assistance right. or kill so him. The, the compelling <laughs> thing about that scene is not supported because it sort of romanticizes the tragedy of Darth Vader, the tragedy of their brotherhood, right? But it when you finally see it realized, you're like, you know what? This doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense. Why would... Exactly. Why would Obi-Wan just walk away from a burn, burning body who's screaming at him. Either finish him off or help him. But no, he does He does the worst yeah. thing. Or get get pushed off by like, a, you know... Yeah, maybe he's, right, maybe he's frozen from the emotional turmoil and you know seeing his I mean, friend right? like, oh my God, what did I just do? And then the stormtroopers come in and then he has to make an escape route. Wow, brilliant change right there, dude. That would have been solved. Yeah, why didn't Anakin go to that planet with a small battalion of clone troopers and just told him to wait and he goes take out the leadership of the, of the Separatists, and they're there just to make sure everything goes well. And then Obi-Wan sneaks in, and that would have been a much better. That, there's one of your changes right there. Anyway, I'm ready to move into likes if you are. I'm kind of tired of being grumpy. Well, <laughs> let's go to likes, baby. I got a, I got a couple, and uh, there's... All right. Well, Hit yours it. and mine might be the same, so I'll start with this one. Oh, man. That opening battle. Oh. That was awesome. Minus the droid humor, but that was one of the most epic nice. Star Wars openings. I mean, that is Star Wars, right? That is the definition of Star Wars. What's that? Uh, in space or on the ship? In space. I like the I like the X wings, which had the like the the extra little X wing part to them. And I was trying to look up the variant, uh, but uh, I was not finding it uh, where I was looking quickly before the podcast. Yeah, I think they referred as the uh, little, ex- little extra X wings. A little bit less on the droid humor. I wasn't yeah. really into the Buzz Droid situation. 
I don't know. It was a little goofy. Now, this would have been that first encounter that I mentioned with Grievous. This would have been the part where to show how much of a real threat he was. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell us he's a threat. Show us. Like, Grievous should have busted out two of those stolen lightsabers and held off Obi-Wan and Anakin at the same time. But then found out it was a stalemate and then busted the window open and, and escaped that way. I mean... Yeah, it's cool to see his guards come out there with their staffs and, and, and hold off the Jedi while Grievous is just walking around like a villain, twirling his mustache. But I, why not just show us what a threat he is? That would have been really cool. Or maybe show, maybe have Shock T there. Maybe those three Jedi, she was already on the ship and they they went there to reinforce her. They went and got Dooku. Or what if they brought some Jedi and they're like, you five, go get Grievous. We're going to go get Palps. Right. And then... Uh, then uh, they, they get there in time to see him take out one or two. And then it's just them. And they go toe-to-toe. And he's like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do it. I can do this all day long, but I'm not going to get away with anything. They've already got Palpatine. So let's just get out. That would have been way more better. Wow, mate. Anyway, that would have been way better. So much better. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our changes. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what okay that's one of your likes the main like that I had was that <laughs> Palpatine played oh my God. like a fiddle beautiful Just that's like, Shakespeare I mean that's good he, stuff he's a Sith Lord so you gotta give it to him a young, you know a young kid has he doesn't know what he's doing and just but it's Whenever you see someone dominating, <laughs> I like to see people dominate, and I like to see underdogs. That explains so much see, about your personality, you by the way. I'm glad you said whatever that. Whatever they're doing. <laughs> whenever we see someone dominating, whatever they're doing, whatever it is, versus someone else, and it's just like we've got the same rules, bro. But I am just way, way better at this. It just, you know, it wasn't fair, and it was just like, oh, just you know, Anakin's. Yeah, just, he, he'd already he lost the Anakin movie coming, started, he? he's over. He's, Yeah. Well, I mean, we already know that that's happening, right? But it, but seeing it unfold, that was delicious. My That was my second like, was Palpatine's move to turn Anakin. I mean, yeah. that opera scene, wow. All of that stuff. And then his reveal to Anakin, that was also <laughs> surprising, like... Let me teach you what you need, and, and then Anakin realizes, "Oh, you're the Sith Lord." He's like, "Dude, I can help you," and he's like, "I'm going to turn you in." And goes, "You're very wise. Yeah, you should turn me in. But if you do, you're going to lose, you know, tapping into my knowledge." Ah, oh, God, that's just delicious. I love Palpatine in this movie. Yeah, didn't like him so much in the second one, but man, he was great all the way up until he turns into the Emperor. And once his face gets to figure, then it's all downhill. Ugh. <laughs> All right, what's what's another like for you? So that was my, that was also my second like. So I only have one more. I mean, I have lots of little likes, but noteworthy ones. This is my big one. Do you want it now or do you want to wait? Hit me. All right, I've already said this earlier, dude. The idea of Order sixty six, that whole concept. Yeah. That the Jedi are yeah. fighting alongside the instruments of the destruction. I mean, essentially, they're fighting alongside an entire army of Jango Fett. That shit is crazy. That is so, it's so cool. I mean. That George figured out this whole thing where clones were ordered to be by the Jedi all the time as loyal soldiers to the Jedi general, and that that was the whole plot, and that all Palpatine had to do was just say one little tagline to make them all flip, and oh, this that makes this movie worth watching, and it, I, I won't say it's essential, but that piece saves this movie for me. Because that moment is is so important into the whole Star Wars arc. How did the Jedi die? They died because of they just weren't paying attention. 
they were taken yeah, out the, by their the comrades. emperor takes over and with one swift and brutal maneuver mm. he takes out his you know almost all of his main em- enemies uh right away so. and cinematically the right. way that whole thing unfolds is i mean with john williams music behind it it's very emotional yeah and then we see the last almost the last of the jedi yeah that was obviously a big like for me as well um yeah that's basically it i i did like the the hyperspace booster ring which we may have seen before but when uh obi-wan goes flying off he's got to jump in the yeah. in the booster ring first that's kind of like a cool concept i always like it when i see it any other small likes for you or shall we move on to our changes this movie felt like wars you know star wars i mean there was a lot of war going on in here you know different fronts being shown and i the scope of this whole thing that this was a galaxy-wide conflict and there was turmoil across the whole thing i kind of wish i would have seen a little bit more of that but at the same time i'm really glad that we got to see some of it because it really kind of makes it, it adds a lot of importance to what happens in the old trilogy yeah all right sir I don't have a ton of subtle changes. I think Anakin and Padme's kind of reaction kind of was my dislikes and subtle changes at, at the same time that they may have been able to do. Well, he couldn't, you couldn't realize freedom and prosperity without yeah. <laughs> not going to the dark side. But you have some big changes, I know, or subtle, subtle big changes right. slash big changes. Right. Again, this is if, if we sat with George Lucas while he was writing the screenplay, this is our chance to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, maybe tweak this for you know for continuity yeah, exactly sex. yeah if you if you didn't hear our other two episodes guys we explained a little bit better these are subtle changes to the movie that we do uh suggest to george lucas if we were in the editing room or in the writing room uh we don't want to butterfly our effect our way out of star wars which is the next movie so kind of subtle changes that you could still put in this movie but really jump into a new hope as we know it so Travis, the first one I just came up with as you were talking tonight, and it's really just maybe a, a slightly more elegant way of just saying it. Anakin could have decided to leave to raise his family, but his dilemma then could have been that the, the council had offered him a seat at the council table. Oh, Anakin was like, "Hey, we're going to leave and go raise our child as soon as I wrap up some things. You know, I just defeated Dooku, and I'm going to put my affairs in order and let Obi Wan know." And then when he goes to talk to Obi Wan, Obi Wan was like, "Anakin, I'm so happy for you." Wait, you haven't heard? The council's thinking about putting you on the council and making you a knight. And then there's his dilemma. And then he's got to go back to Padme. This is the first time anybody my age has ever been asked to sit on the council. If I leave now, I'll miss out on opportunity. What should I do? That would have been really cool. And maybe he's mad because it came too late and at the wrong time. Exactly. That adds to his frustration. I love it. Love it. And then he could actually have twisted that and seen it as a threat to his family. Like, you're just trying to keep me here and I want to go raise my kid. You know, that kind of thing. That... That would have worked. I would have liked that. That's a really good change. I'm glad you brought that up. I like it. Yeah. So my top change, prior to you saying what you said earlier, got my brain going. (laughs) I would have loved to have challenged George Lucas with this whole concept of why are the Sith getting revenge in the first place? Because that sounds like a very intriguing story thread. And it's actually the name of the movie. The name of the movie, yes. But why isn't in the movie? Why are the Sith getting revenge? And again, it goes back down to that freaking show don't tell me. You're telling me the Sith want to get revenge because clearly they felt the Jedi did them wrong at some point in the past. But I have no idea why. Why do I care? It could have been named... Okay, okay, Star Wars nerd. Were there ever more than two Sith? According... Like, was it like a whole Sith 
Yes. Like it mushroom has, or it, something? Yeah. Mushroom. <laughs> Munchroom. Munchroom. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's out. I don't think it's been canonized yet, but as far as Legends is concerned, I think it's still pretty pretty much accepted. No, actually it has been canonized because in Rebels they, they show it. At one point there were Sith members in the thousands, almost like we have the Jedi now. And the Sith were the rulers of the galaxy. And even Palpatine says that. Once more, the Sith will be the rulers of the galaxy. He says that in this movie. And here's the part that gets kind of shady. According to what I understand of the books, there's a schism, and the Sith broke into two different orders, and they ultimately destroyed themselves, which gave the Mm -hmm. Jedi a chance to come back up on top. And that's when the rule of two became its thing. And how the Jedi know about the rule of two is still like, what? How If there's the rule of two to keep the Sith in hiding, why is it that Yoda and Mace know about the rule of two if the Sith were successfully in hiding all this time? So that's another big continuity problem right there. (laughs) But anyway, so I don't understand why the Sith are trying to get revenge on the Jedi. I don't get it. And I, it could have been named. I mean, I get it as far as the name is poetic because it, it rhymes with Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith slash Return of the Jedi, whatever. But at the same time, it's like... It's, and of course, that was the original uh, name of the Re- Return of the Jedi was Revenge of the Jedi. Revenge of the... Yes, exactly. Oh, well. <laughs> so that's my first thing. Like, hey, can we can we show why the Sith or explain why the Sith are wanting to get revenge? Do we Do we know why that's going on? If not, can we just change the title? You know? I know it sounds like a really cool title, but if it's not going to be about that, then let's just name it something else and, and put that title on the shelf and call a future trilogy the Revenge of the Sith. You know, the, against yeah, it could, could have been like, hey, guys, Sith. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Another <laughs> what, change. What's another change for you? <laughs> I would have tried to convince Lucas not to show the birth of the twins. You know, leave, leave the Padme story as a tragedy caused by Anakin, because I love that part. I love how that is part of why Vader is Vader. But have her death faked as a means to protect her baby, but we don't actually see the baby born, nor do we get that scene where she gives name to the baby slash babies. Because that way, we don't find out that she had twins until Kenobi tells Luke in Return of the Jedi. That's another, like, surprise moment, right? That's another, oh, shit. If you give away all these secrets, by the time we get to the little trilogy, it just kind of ruins them. You know, if we already know that Anakin's turned to Vader, then there's no power to Vader telling who he is to Luke. Because it's we already know. And it's gone. That moment's gone. That plot twist. So you're saying as, theoretically, a younger viewer, they wouldn't, they would still not know that until right. later. Right. Yeah. You would, know gotcha. that, you would know that Padme was pregnant with Anakin's kid, but that she would then, they would fake her death, she would vanish, you'd never see her give birth to the kids, and maybe even think, I mean, we know that eventually she has a kid. So if you're just to watch these in, in chronological order, episodic order, you would know that Anakin had a secret wife and she got pregnant by him, and then she allegedly dies. And then we end there. And then when we come back in A New Hope, there's this boy named Luke Skywalker, and we're scratching our heads like, oh, who's that? And then in Return of the Jedi, when Obi-Wan says, well, there's actually another Skywalker, we're like, oh, well, who's that then? So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have had... And it also would have gotten rid of the weirdness of, well, how did Leia remember Padme if she died shortly after giving birth to them? You know, that Rashida and Jedi sort of paints this picture that Leia had spent some time with her mom. Maybe she was really, really young, and their mom finally just died of a broken heart, which, I mean, I guess she kind of does, but... Yeah. Anyway, that would be my other... Just don't show the kids being born. We get it. Just don't even... Don't even let us know there's twins. Don't even do it. Or don't even do it. Always a good rule. No kids. Yeah. 
What's, do you have another subtle change? Yeah, I do. I have two more. I wasn't going to add this to the conversation, but it, it kind of bothers me. I think it needs to be addressed, especially in light of the Clone Wars cartoon series. It has to do with Anakin's attack on the temple after Order 66. And of course, it uh-huh. has to do with him breaking out the lightsaber in front of the kids. I, I can't handle the fact that Anakin, the hero that he is, regardless if he's succumbed to the dark side, to gain knowledge on how to protect his own kid would then turn his lightsaber against little kids because he was once a little kid living in the temple and he knows it's not their fault. So in my head canon, Anakin doesn't actually kill the younglings. That scene still is there. He breaks up the lightsaber. He kills the Jedi Knights and the older Padawans in the temple, but not the little ones. He orders several temple guards to watch over them because ultimately their fate is that they become Imperial Inquisitors. Because that's where he's got to get this pool of Jedi Force users. He's got to condition them into dark side stuff so they can go out and hunt the other Jedi. I know it's the shock thing to put that scene in. And I know even in the theater when I was watching it, people were like, what, what? Like when he broke out the lightsaber and that kid kind of does that little shake back, you know, like, uh. Like, yeah. <laughs> but the thing that causes that to be an even bigger problem, one, how can we accept that Anakin suddenly just turned on these little kids when he's expecting his own? And he's doing everything he can to save his little kid, just that it seems out of alignment there. But then we get that really bad line delivery from Obi-Wan when he's talking to Padme, like, I've seen a hollow projection of Anakin killing Youngling. I mean, just, it's so over the top. Yeah. It just, yeah, that, that was not great. Yeah. So what if he arrives at the temple and the clone troops have already killed the, the children and then there are Jedis taking out the clone troops? Yeah. And Anakin arrives realizing, oh my God, we just killed all these kids. Like, oh my gosh, but then I then he then he has to kill all the Jedi. Even that would have been better than what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I like the scene of him marching. Even that. I, I like the scene a, of him. That's a way to segue into it. I kinda like the scene where uh, the shot of him walking into the temple with all the, the the 501st behind him. I mean that's a powerful image and that's one of the things that makes Star Wars Star Wars. It's powerful imagery like that. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, if we need to get rid of the kids, then the clones should have gone in there and they were just blasting everybody. And Anakin could have seen, Anakin could have participated in taking out the more elevated Jedi because he would have had the skills to match while the the troopers took out all the younglings and the Padawans. But, and we could have seen the Padawans' bodies on the ground just like we did later when Obi-Wan and and Yoda return. Like, oh shit, this was a massacre. But I don't think we need to see that Anakin was responsible for killing the kids. That just doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, I do have one more. This is a big one. This is a a big change and I don't think it would have affected the movies coming after it but I think it may have done a lot to actually save this movie in some really huge ways it may even make it like a really cool standalone Star Wars movie that leads into those other movies so I think Anakin shouldn't have been seen turning into Darth Vader but I think Vader should have been in the movie far more than he was Vader should have been in the movie from maybe even the very beginning but only as like a shadow assassin serving Palpatine, maybe one of several dark assassins. The Jedi don't really know who they are. They just know that there's some, there's been some political assassinations happening. They all assume it's just because of the politics of the war to, to go with, you know, voting in new, new powers, of the chancellor, that kind of stuff. And one of these assassins who's particularly proficient at what he does, some, you know, Obi-Wan does this investigation finds out that he is referred to as Vader. But we don't see Anakin in that role. We may see him as a hooded character, and yes, secretly we know what's going on. 
But having Anakin living a double life, a double life born out of his deception and marrying Padme to begin with, that would have been cool to see. So instead of turning into Vader at the very end, right. he's both yes. for a large portion of the movie. And double that would leave. make sense that after everything happens, the majority of people don't know that Anakin was Vader because they both coexisted within the Republic at the same time. There was a shadowy assassin named Vader, and a lot of people may not have ever assumed that General Anakin Skywalker was the same person. But Kenobi, in his investigation, he's secretly tasked by the, the Jedi Council to go find out, hey, who is this assassin? And then towards the end of the movie, he realizes and finds out it's Anakin. And then they have their confrontation. Like, he's like, what? I didn't train you to do this. And Anakin's like, I had to do what was what was necessary to win the war. And the Jedi Council was, were tying my hands. They were tying your hands. They don't know what to do. And yes, I did what needed to be done to end this thing. And so I can raise my family with Padme. That would have been a really crazy dilemma for those two characters to have to face off. Because it's really, that boils down to the certain point of view, perspective argument that Obi-Wan tells Luke about. Anakin still thinks he's a hero because he's doing what must be done to win this war, even if that means going yeah. against the Jedi and doing some dark side stuff. And Obi-Wan has to get through to him like, dude, you, this is not the right way. This is not how we win. And Anakin's like, it doesn't matter. It just matters that we do win so we can end this conflict. And Palpatine's the one who's been teaching me how to do this. And this is how we're going to win. That would have been a way cooler movie if that change had made. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, well. We have some good... You. Not really so much me, but you've got some really good ideas. Oh, thank you. I see. Uh, I think about this too much. So that's the problem. <laughs> you think about it a lot, which is why you have extra movies already about Boba Fett and Obi Wan, yeah. and we have that episode already made. I believe it's episode fourteen, but mm -hmm. it is um, before ZW stories. So go check that out. Uh, Travis's ideas for Boba Fett and Obi Wan stories. All right, Travis, are we at the final point where we rank Revenge of the Sith? Yes. I'm going to let you go first because I'll be more generous. I'll be more gentle. Gotcha. Out of five Stormtrooper helmets, Travis, you give Revenge of the Sith three. Oh, that's yeah. a surprise. I do I give it three. I thought you were going to do two. No, it, Order 66 and Palpatine is what makes it a three for me. The, for me, those two pieces are essential Star Wars. I love this pre-imperial design. I love the pre-empire you know, war, the galaxy in turmoil. I love all that. And I that, that Order 66 thing, that's just, just inspired. I love, I, I don't love the fact that it had to happen. It's very depressing that it goes down that way. And I think another thing that kind of swings my vote to three is that, you know, given the context of how the Clone Wars cartoon series has sort of painted the moments leading up to Revenge of the Sith. As a companion piece, I think it elevates Revenge of the Sith to a three. It may have been a, a two and a half for like the longest time. But after seeing the end of the Clone Wars cartoon series, it's easy. It's a three, given this new context about why the things happen the way they do. It's still not a perfect movie, but it's a lot better. Gotcha. Well, I am also going to give it a three. I th it's a very solid three. Not quite a three and a half helmets, but it is a solid, solid three. Uh, for me, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was quite clearly the best of the prequels, right? Yeah. Now, Travis, what's coming up after our Clone Wars review and our news episode? We're getting to the meat of it. We're getting into the the characters we know and love even more. 
Are we doing solo first? Is solo in the timeline. First? Solo happens before Rogue One. So yeah, solo. Solo first. Solos, then Rebels. Then we're going to go... Rebels. Rogue One? No, Rebels. We're going to go... Rebels. Rebels happens right before Rogue One. Yes. I think we're doing all feature films, and then maybe we'll do the animated stuff after no, that. But but we've already done a we'll review discuss. for Clone Wars, but I think it'd be nice to slip in a break between the feature films and, and put Rebels in there, especially because it, it does fit in the timeline that way. And We'll have a couple other episodes talking about different things, the music of Star Wars. Maybe we'll do a top 20 droids. All right. Fine. Maybe I'll argue with you off pod. But all right, sounds good. We coming up next, guys, in our next episode, we are doing a Clone Wars review, and then we've got news. We're gonna give it to you, but better yet, we're gonna give you all the substantiated news and what we like about it. We're not gonna give you all the rumors that may never turn into nothing. We're not gonna waste your time with that. So that's why you should always listen to Chuck Two Moons and Thrust Director. They'll be back, as we said, in a couple episodes. Travis, I think that'll do it at just over an hour before you edit this. Are we done here, sir? <laughs> we are done. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to our Revenge of the Sith review. Hope you like it. You can find us on Twitter. Wait, wait. I have a B- quick question. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What would you name this movie? What about The Emperor's New Groove? Ah, ah. Boom. You know, I should have known that was the answer I was going to get. With all your Yoda <laughs> jokes and stuff like that, I should have known. Hey, that was that, hey, that was pretty good for off the cuff. You hadn't yeah, you hadn't prepped me for that. True. So that was just right off the top of the, the old noggin. Well, what about you? What would you have named it? I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'd call it. Fascinating. All right, guys, thank <laughs> I you wouldn't so call much. it fascinating. <laughs> no, Star Wars episode three fascinating. Your non-answer. That was that was good podcasting. <laughs> All right, guys, on Twitter we are before the ZW. That's the letter B, the number four, the ZW. Instagram we are before underscore the underscore Z Wing, and we're before the Z Wing on Facebook. And Travis, why are we three different names? To stay under the radar of the Sith. Do it. All right, guys, that'll do it for us once again. Thanks so much for listening. Please hit that subscribe button and tell your closest Star Wars friend that you listen. We would really appreciate it. That's it for us. Before the Z-Wing, before ZW. Never underestimate the... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Right out. Take two. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Before ZW. Never underestimated droid. Good night, guys. Good night. Bye. <laughs>
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This will conclude our show for tonight. I hope you all enjoy it. <laughs>